Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to the off-season edition of the Baby Bowl Podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I'm Wes Easley, one of your hosts, at Loafing It Over on Twitter. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore over there on Twitter as well. And make sure you're following the daddy of the Baby Bowl, who has got breaking news about the Baby Bowl. I don't know if it's breaking or not, but it's definitely news since the last time we talked. It's the daddy of the Baby Bowl, Rob Norton, at Norton0723 over on Twitter. How you doing tonight, Rob? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Wes? I'm doing fine. Sounds like I got a lot of energy, don't I? Yeah, yeah. Pretty lively. Uh, Yeah, yeah, because I found some Christmas fudge in the freezer. I I did. I found Christmas fudge in the freezer. I've been snacking (laughs) on Christmas fudge. I'm chasing it down with a little Mountain Dew, and I am just fired up, buddy. Hey, you're, you're kind of a doctor. Well, uh, well, uh, maybe not a doctor. You you uh, pl- play with a little pharmaceutical numbers, I, I believe. So it's not even close to a doctor. You think fudge is safe to eat from Christmas right now? I would think so. I would think so. As long as you got it frozen, why yeah. not, right? Uh, well, I, there's a lot of reasons why not, <laughs> but I don't know if there's a lot of good. Uh, I'll tell you, there's good reasons why. There is, it's delicious. It's good fudge. It's good fudge. So uh, I'm snacking off fudge. I'm talking to Rob Norton on a Thursday night. Things can't get much better than this, except for the news that you have been breaking to me, just just behind the scenes a little bit, and I think over on Twitter a little bit as well, about the Baby Bowl and, and, and how things are progressing right now. Yeah, definitely. So I just got the league created the other night um and then today i started you know blasting it out on twitter that signups are open um so so that's going out i uh made a discord for it and that's gonna hopefully hopefully make things just so so much easier for both me and like all the all the participants so and it's and the the Discord's nice too because it's not going to be just Baby Bowl like it's going to have you know all kinds of different fantasy football things and should just th- keep things very very organized and you know how things can get buried in in Twitter group chats and and mm-hmm. things like that so it's nice because in this Discord uh, server I can I can create channels that are uh, stri- restricted to just me um, making announcements and so. Um, that way nothing gets buried and they're, they're all labeled how it could be. So it's just one click for everyone and it's right. Everything's right there. Easy to find. Um, not only that, but everyone who's in it, you know, if you don't want to get the notifications, you can just mute any of the channels. You can mute, mute the whole server. You can mute specific channels. You can put notifications on for specific channels. So it's really, really customizable and you can curate it to really, um, however you want to use it. So it should make it really, really nice for everyone. Uh, that sounds all fine and dandy, unless you're an old man who doesn't like to mash buttons <laughs> around that. Uh, you know, a discord back in my day and time is whenever uh, a one rapper started dissing another rapper and they were doing it on a chord <laughs> in a song is what that's a discord in my generation. Rob, I'll, I'll trust that you can walk me through that. You've walked me through many things on the internet that I have been tentative of mashing the wrong buttons on. Uh, what else is going on on the, on the baby bowl? So you got the discord, you started the leagues, mm-hmm. leagues, I said, plural leagues right yeah i'm hoping we're hoping we're keeping the fingers crossed um i sent it so anyone who was in the regular season last year mm-hmm. um all the all i mass sent out you know email invites to everyone who was in the regular season last year if you weren't in the regular season last year whether that be you were only in the baby bowl playoff edition or you just weren't in either um right. you have to get a hold of me and i'll start you know kind of sending out personalized individual 
invites and things like that, but I wanted to kind of get a jump on it and get those emails sent out to all returning uh, users. And that way, you know, they, they see it. And there's already been a, at least five to 10 people that have already jumped in and, really? and si- signed in. Yeah. So, which makes it easier on me because then it's less people I got to track down to see if they want to be in it or not. Um, you know, things like that. The, the, the more people that can just do it on their own and uh, it's the less legwork I got to do. So, um, you know, oh. but I'll be checking, checking it out and seeing who's signing in, who's not and, and uh, try to see, make sure one way. I, Cause I, the thing is, is that, I, I want to invite more and more people, right? But right. I don't want to kick anyone from last year. And there's only a hundred spots in like the league there. So I, I basically just kind of need like if people aren't going to be in it, I mean, I that's, that's fine, that's understandable. Um, but then I have to remove them from it. Like it has to it tells it tells me I have to remove owner from the from the league. So, um, but there's you know most of the spots are already filled from since we had 86 or so last year, and then there's a few new ones already in there. So, yeah. <laughs> I like making of... your life hard, Rob. I like it. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I get pleasure out of this. More baby bowl, more problems. That's what you got, Rob. Hey, you know what? We need? We, we may need some volunteers to be able to help out through all this. I, I think about the great work that Scott Fish did uh, throughout this uh, the whole Scott Fish Bowl and in the past and how it's grown and everything and some of the things that has really stepped up and, and and what Scott Fish I think hammers home a lot is all the volunteers that help him get through that time of year when everything you might need to start getting some volunteers Rob yeah it's possible uh, luckily you know I don't know if you remember our guy Prue Patel yeah. lineup yeah. showdown yeah yeah so he he's been really really active really um really. You know, he's been the whole offseason, him and I have been in contact. Uh, he's been throwing out different ideas that for, for Baby Bowl for the future. I kind of kind of let it like slip by too much um, to really implement anything this year and uh, didn't get enough feedback so far on like if, how people would like or not like the thing. So, you know, we're sticking with the same formula for this year. But, you know, he has some ideas that he's thrown around um, that I might see see if people like uh um different different ideas and things to make things more fun shake it up but he he also is um you know has offered up his services like if i need any help uh you know volunteer you know to help help out with different uh admin type things and so i told him i'd i'd let him know if i start getting overwhelmed yep hey uh prue prue has always done a good job uh with the mm-hmm. things that he does i remember he told me something last year during the podcast that's all I remember because a lot of people get a lot of things right whenever they're talking to me. I don't know how that works, Rob, but that's just how it works. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Maybe it's because I'm wrong so often, so they're always right. <laughs> hey, but yeah, we'll, we'll continue working on that. Um, and, and just to let you know, Rob, uh, I bought a T-shirt or two during the Scott Fishbowl. Okay. I'm just saying that. I bought a T-shirt or two to support the Scott Fishbowl, went to charity. A lot of it went to charity. So I, I bought a T-shirt or two just to let you know. That's true. I and I and I, I keep meaning I keep meaning to do to reach out and and see something like that. So that's that could be something that I need to you need to keep you need to keep getting on me about it because I uh, I will eventually and I I just I know you, I will, you smell I will what I'm gonna, cooking you smell yeah, what I'm cooking I'll, I'll for sure <laughs> definitely. Hey, I appreciate all your work because I know it's a lot of work and whatever I can do to help out, you let me know. Uh, and anybody who wants to reach out and help Rob, we may have to we may have to tell him that we can babysit a little bit of the baby bowl for him <laughs> because it is his baby and he is the daddy of it. So we could just let him know that we want to volunteer and to be able to help him out through all this process. But uh, Rob, you're doing a great job with all that. Uh, one of the things I would like to thank you on 
Hey, you, you and Pierre, our, our, my other co-host here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network, is walking me through the Scott Fishbowl draft. I think this year you guys have uh, been able this offseason to be able to kind of get me through some of these things and, and learn a little bit better and learn a little bit more. And so we, I, I finished my Scott Fishbowl draft. We've already, we've already finished it there in the Belgium division. I believe I was in the Belgium division. And I okay. think you finished up everything in the Canton division. Was it Canton division or you're just drafting in Canton? How'd that work? Yeah, it was the the um, live draft Canton division. Um, we had three different live drafts going on, um, and they kind of kind of broke us up by um, like Canton, very close to Canton was like a the one division, and then any uh, Ohio, mostly Northeast Ohio, but Ohio was was the next division, and then like people who were coming in from out of town, which a lot of them had roots here and family here that they were just kind of planning trips around anyway. So, um, but yeah, they were the, like the neighbors division. So there was three different drafts going on. Um, I drafted out of the nine slot in, uh, in, in the Ohio division for the Canton live draft. And what did you draft out of? I uh, drafted out of the second position. That's right. Second position right. in the Belgium division. Now, listen, I, I've been doing that, uh, and and of course, being a Superflex League and everything, I got Justin Herbert first. Kaboom! I did that. I told you I've been stacking up a lot of the Chargers throughout the best ball thing, tournaments that I've been doing. And so I got allowed Justin Herbert. And then with my second pick, I ended up picking up Devontae Adams because the reason why I thought that my Justin Herbert pick had been good because Kenyon Allen kind of fell to me or Mike Williams. I kind of had a double shot there if I wanted to stack some of those chargers, you know, so I, I could do, I could do some of that and I could get one or I could get the other. I could wait on Mike Williams. If somebody was there in the Keenan Allen spot that I just really, really wanted, but I ended up with Devonte Adams as my number two pick. He was just right there. Two at 11, two 11, all the quarterbacks were gone. My last quarterback and, and correct me if I'm wrong. And a lot of people out there do super flex leagues and, um, uh, my last quarterback that I I don't want to say really wanted, but it was kind of like the dividing line was Matt mm-hmm. Ryan. I know that sounds goofy, but he, but Matt Ryan has just thrown for so many yards in the past. He's a pretty accurate passer. I think in Atlanta he kind of forced some things. And I'm not crazy about Matt Ryan, but he was just like my he was my line in the sand. If if there was any quarterbacks after him, I wasn't getting them, you know. But I wanted a second quarterback right there at the two spot. But somebody got Matt Ryan, and there was nobody left okay yeah yeah matt ryan i do think matt ryan's better in fishbowl format um mm-hmm. for me like the cutoff line where i found i was because i used like a basically what i did is i kind of used an aggregate aggregate projection system it pulled like projections from four or five different sites to try to try to rule out you know biases from one site or another and then you know then what i did is put in a formula to calculate it into uh fishbowl points to how you know how much they would score in fishbowl and i also had one where it was standard to kind of kind of see you know the differences um but for me what what i noticed was the top 14 qbs um there was a there was a cliff after that basically like it was a it was cousins was 13 car was 14 and they yeah. were projected like 340 341 and then the next so they were because they were you know 341 342 344 346 all of them right in there but then right below that it went from 341 to 302 
like wow. that, that big of a drop. So it felt like a cliff there. And I think it was because, you know, we've talked about it before. I think about the fishbowl being um, harsh penalties on QBs. So it really makes a divide. And, you know, if your completion percentage is pretty low, you're going to get negative for that. Interceptions hurt you because they're four, negative four per interception. Um, so for me, I kind of felt like, and I've been, you know, preaching this all, all uh, draft season heading up to it, that basically my strategy was to try to get two of the top 14 QBs in the right. first three, three rounds. Um, and if I didn't hit on any, if I didn't hit on two of them, I mean, I was pretty much guaranteed that I was going to get one of them, but if I didn't hit on two of them, then I was just going to play it as if it was a one because throughout the draft when I was looking at it, I would compare guys that were available versus the QBs that were available, and most of the time the other position was projected more, and they also didn't carry that risk of a negative week. So that's kind of I, – I, I only ended up really with one until I took Mariota really, really late. Um and that was only just because it was was late enough to where it was, you know, a shot in the dark. And I think he'll be a little bit more efficient than people realize because he's kind of a safe, safe QB that checks down a lot. So, no, I, I could see that. And uh, so at that, you know, that second spot and then, of course, the great big flip that ends up happening. So if you're if you're drafting at the end of round two, it seems like it's an eternity before you ever get to draft again. So I, I had to get I wanted to get a wide receiver right there because all the quarterbacks were on Devontae Adams. I ended up with Keenan Allen in the third round like I okay. liked. And then I stacked up Devontae with Darren Waller because I needed that tight end because, you know, tight end premium league. So I got Darren Waller right there and I was like, OK, OK, the, the team's shaping up a little bit. I may have missed out on the second quarterback like I really wanted to. I really want a car. I, w- I want a car so I got a team up with Waller yeah. at the end of two. That's really what I want. But I, I never ended up happening for me. Uh, I took Dallas Goddard in the fifth round, another tight end. Just he, he seemed to be the best value on the board for me. And then I got Brandon Cooks because you know what I was doing later on in the draft, right? You know, you know I was going for Davis Mills later on as mm-hmm. the second quarterback. So <laughs> I, had, I ended up being able – and I don't think that I was reaching for any of these stacks at all. And I may yeah. have gotten a little too stack happy, but – I, I don't know. I'm, I may not have either. I, I have some options. I think it's fine. And especially in a bigger, bigger tournament style, you know, format like this, the stacks are m- kind of more important in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I don't think you reach either. Cause I, I actually took cooks in the sixth round as well. So um, I think that's kind of where he was generally going. Um, I, he was the wide receiver 20 of 20 off the board for me. Um, and I took him in the sixth round. He was actually the first, wide receiver I took um so I mean I hammered wide receiver from that point on but but yeah so I think I think you were right in the right range for Cooks I ended up with Damian Harris in the seventh round he was my first running back off the board he was the last (laughs) last running back that I even saw anything potential in to being a number one running back possibly uh Damian Harris there though I got Davis Mills in eighth I then I followed it up with a Carson Wentz in the ninth I I just I didn't want to be sitting there without another quarterback and I really felt like all the quarterbacks were going to end up being gone when I was looking at some of the, the other teams as I was waiting there. So I was like, ah, and so I went ahead and got Carson Wentz. Pierre's voice was in my head. You know, <laughs> you, know how he, you know how he is. Carson wasn't that bad, Wes. You know, he was one of those. Uh, <laughs> and then I ended up with Melvin Gordon, my second running back. I thought I, I got Ramonde Stevenson. I, I wasn't trying to handcuff Damien at all, but it just I, out of all the running backs that were left there, I'm like, 
none of them are number ones, you know, just, just bell cows. And I, I really wasn't choosing a bell cow uh, from those options. And I said, well, you know, if Damien gets a little nicked up, then all of a sudden he is a number one. So I went ahead and, and got Ramondre there. Uh, my favorite pick, though, was in round 12. I got an Evan Ingram as that as my third tight end or as another tight end. I got Evan Ingram hoping to find a little boom in there in Jacksonville, Rob. I, I, I really have some high hopes for Evan Ingram this year. I'm so glad you, you said that because I love Evan Ingram, too. And, okay. I, and I've, I actually got him in the 14th myself. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that for sure. Um, and that I already had Kelsey and Kyle Pitts. Oh, so boy. I still took him in the 14th because I like Evan Ingram that much. I, he's one, I think he, in, in my rankings, he's the tight end that I'm most above consensus on compared mm-hmm. to, yeah, compared to like, you know, consensus. Um, I've been drafting him a lot in best ball. It just comes down to, I like him a lot because like you said, he can, he could boom in, in Jacksonville. People forget that this guy had one of the best rookie seasons ever for a tight end. He was, um, you know, he has an elite athletic profile. He's been banged up and he's been in a Jason Garrett offense. So it's kind of just been bad, one bad thing after another. Right. And now he's going to Jacksonville where they have an amb- ambiguous wide receiver room. They just signed Christian Kirk, who, I, I mean, I would expect Christian Kirk to lead their team in targets, but you know, Christian Kirk isn't necessarily like a proven top end receiver or anything. Um, Evan, Evan Ingram is one of the latest drafted tight ends that has a realistic shot at actually re- realistic, not probabilistic, but realistic shot at being leading its team in, in uh, targets. And uh, I think it was our guy Coop the other day was, That's what I was out, just going to say, <laughs> yeah, the tight, the tight end numbers about the 90 targets and 10 touchdowns. I thought it was 100 targets. I, you, you're, I'll trust you. I'll trust you. Okay. But yeah, I knew it was the 10 touchdowns. And, and it looks like Evan Ingram could possibly hit both of those marks. It's Yeah, it's pos- I mean, it's possible he could get either one or both. And he's going so so late. I mean, I got him at tight end 21. And I think he's been going even later than that in a lot of drafts. And so, you know, he's a guy that I absolutely love, especially when you're talking about a tight end premium league. No, you're you're absolutely right. I followed it up not to go over every single pick, but I just want to talk about some of these names here. Uh, I I ended up with Marlon Mack late in the round, thirteenth thirteenth round there, looking for somebody who might end up being a workhorse or a number one running back. Maybe Marlon Mack will be that guy. I've seen Lovey Smith do some weird things over the years as he was coach uh, Chicago. And I think that maybe, you know, he can get the team really going there in Houston. I probably have too many Houstons uh, <laughs> on my team. though. <laughs> Tyler Bass, 14. J.D. McKissick. I, I, in this area, Robin, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, and it started with my Evan Ingram pick. That is where I did start reaching a little bit because I was okay. tired of getting sniped. Not that there was, you know, big snipes in there because everybody was kind of in that same range. It was just, you know, I had my eye on somebody and boom, he'd be gone by the time it got to me. And I'm like, ah, 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 what and uh, so I was like, OK, I, I'm, I'm going to go and get my guys. You know, that was okay. that was my that was my model there after Evan Ingram. I said, I'm going to get my guys. I'm not waiting around. I'm getting my guys. I didn't try to do it before too many times. You know, like I didn't reach too hard, I don't think. But uh, I, I, Marlon Mack, J.D. McKissick, I got him in the 15th round. Robbie Anderson, I got in the 16th round. 16th round, Robbie Anderson. I know he's a little disgruntled there. Your guy Baker has gone to Carolina. Robbie Anderson, if I'm not mistaken, had a ton of air yards last year. 
ton of air yards where it looked like he was he should be a guy who could take a step forward with maybe a decent quarterback play. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. It's so funny because I drafted J.D. McKissick as well. Seven, I, I got him in the 17th, and then I also got Robbie Anderson in the 19th. So I was, I'm thinking that kind of the same lines as you with Robbie Anderson. Yeah, he had a rough year yet last year, but that was, I mean, Darnold's been been rough. So I'm not expecting like big things, but at this late, like you said, he had he had a lot of air yards, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that he. I mean, he's one year removed from having a really good year, so um, it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to have another good year with some improved quarterback play. So I, I like taking Anderson late. Yeah, and as we're talking about some of these, I, I got AJ Green in the 19th round, and you know this is outside of fishbowl because a lot of people will be in deeper drafts. I went ahead and got AJ Green just because at the beginning of the season. He, he might be one of the most familiar faces for Kyler Murray uh, in the end zone area, in the red zone targeting area. And A.J. Green, I, I remember him getting targeted a lot of times last year. I think it kind of stopped whenever <laughs> Kyler threw it to him one time and, and A.J. was turned the wrong way. I hope that improves this season. But uh, <laughs> I went ahead and took a shot on him just because I think before DeAndre Hopkins comes back, A.J. Green might be able to make a little bit of noise in Arizona. So I, I did that. And then I got Geno Smith at the end of the draft and then Matt Breida at the very end of the draft. I took I took I needed I wanted another running back. I really I was I felt like I was short on running backs and I was looking at all the different names that were still available, Rob, and I'm like, you know, who has the best shot at maybe getting some touches? I've heard the rumors that Saquon Barkley's workload's going to be limited a little bit more and you never know with Saquon, maybe he gets hurt and then all of a sudden Matt Breida stepping up to the plate and and he's the RB1 there in New York. So I I just talking that through. I'm not trying to wish anything for my team, and I, it, I'm just trying to talk it through because a lot of people will be trying to make some of the similar choices in their late late round drafts of their of their drafts. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Brito is a, a guy I like taking late as well. I mean, that's the thing is uh, injuries are a fact of of football and fantasy football. So not that we wish on injury on anyone, but they happen. So might as well take. You know, I I like taking a lot of late late lottery tickets on um, high upside running back stashes. Mm-hmm. So I, I like taking Breida late and we've seen, you know, Saquon get banged up over the past few years. And, you know, he, if he get, does get a big workload, it's not unreasonable to think he may, again, he may stay healthy all year. We hope he stays healthy all year. Um, but if he doesn't, Breida could step into a big workload. So I do like taking, taking Breida late. And I, I remember Breida last year in Buffalo and it, it just for those couple of games and I looked at his stats, I'm like, OK, maybe my memory's bad. But I do remember him like being out there on the field. I'm going, what is who is that? It's not single. Der- that, that's not Moss. Who Who is And it's like Matt Breida. I'm going, Matt Breida, what is Matt Breida doing looking athletic and like a like he's a fantasy option out there in Buffalo? Yeah, as I say, he did. He did. And uh, he's not too far removed from. Having some having some uh, big big games and things like that back in San Fran, right? It was San Fran that he was, like, yes, that he was his biggest biggest stretch of of fantasy. He's and he's always been really athletic and explosive, and he's he's had the same issues of staying on the field. But obviously, if you're taking a guy this late, um, you know, like it's it's going to be one of your first drops probably. If if Saquon stays healthy, you're just going to you know use use a wire 
guy for for whatever and um but it's always worth taking those kind of guys late because you never know what happens leading up to the year you never know what happens early on in the year and if it could if saquon does go down then you know breed is going to be the hot fantasy you know waiver wire ticket and you're going to already have them okay hey uh rob i know you've been at work all day so let's catch everybody up a little bit maybe they haven't been paying attention to all the news that's going on in the nfl so we will do that for a couple of days worth anyway here just to let you know kyle rudolph the bucks signed him uh formerly of the giants of course kyle rudolph and of minnesota viking fame and lure he is now signed there with tampa bay to kind of replace gronk i know you don't replace gronk but that that throws a little monkey wrench in the cameron brait of uh, uh thinking right yeah, definitely, which kind of a bummer. I mean, not that I was expecting big things from Brait, but Brait was kind of a guy that I had been taking a lot late in best ball drafts and, and different things like that, um, just partly because I kind of like Brady's value. So, you know, it was an easy, easy stack partner with with him. And, um, you know, um, so so, yeah, I I've been I actually have a lot of Cameron Brait in different leagues and uh so it was kind of a bummer for for personally for me to see uh, see Rudolph get there because he's kind of like a a guy that just I'm not really gonna buy into him necessarily for fantasy purposes, but he'll probably split I mean split enough with Brait that it doesn't really that Brait won't be really worth anything, and he was pretty low end as is, but you know with with Godwin still recovering from injury and Gronk gone, Brait could have been a guy that you know could have been like the third third target on a lot of weeks and you know an end zone red zone option but now with with rudolph in the mix they could even split that and that could just basically cannibalize each other for fantasy purposes listen rudolph is a red zone target machine that's what he is mm-hmm. he's a, he's a yep. monster down there hey other news ronald jones the old tampa bay buccaneer himself charles godman of Chiefs Wire did not include Ronald Jones on his projected 53-man roster. Now, listen, Goldman is not a reliable source for this kind of information, but, you know, he is on the wire. He is doing those things. He put McKinnon in there. Uh, uh, The rookie, Isaiah Pacheco, is that how you say it? Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, as well as uh, fullback Michael Burton. So uh, Ronald Jones might be the guy that's out there, one-year, one-and-a-half million-dollar deal. I know we're talking a lot about Ronald Jones. People have been. Who knows? Maybe he would be on the fast train to to uh, Tampa Bay again because of the weight issues that Leonard Fournette has. I'm just putting that out there. I'm I'm making my own smoke right now. I'm making my yeah. own smoke, Rob. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Making my own smoke. Uh, <laughs> Kenya Drake was cleared to begin training camp. I, we don't care about Kenyon Drake, right? Yes or no? Uh, I'm torn because he no. he uh, he was like enough. He did he did factor enough in the passing game. Um, to hurt Jacobs because I mean Jacobs was always been a guy that I've been lower on for fantasy because he doesn't get the pass work and then when when Kenyon Drake went down that's when we finally saw Jacobs be a workhorse late in the year last year and he was fine with it he's a good player um, so if Jake if Drake is healthy plus they added Samir White I would expect Jacobs you know to go back to his normal his normal you know 15 to 20 carry type role where he doesn't get much of the pass work and you got to hope for hope for a touchdown each week, but um, so yeah, the more the more healthy running backs in the backfield, the worse it is for Jacobs in terms of pass game production. You said Kenyon Drake and healthy; those two don't go <laughs> together. 
All right. They don't go together. Your Cleveland Browns are signed, Josh Rosen, as a matter of fact, I believe, to a one-year contract, if I'm not mistaken. Congratulations, Rob. Enjoy. Kyler Murray was also signed today for a, in a contract for $230 million. $230, a five-year $230 million deal. I heard Juan Soto chuckled at that contract whenever he saw it. Okay. <laughs> so that. That was my own little field felt uh, uh, bad attempt at humor. Bad attempt at humor. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Thank you. Uh, Cam Newton is making the news. The Cleveland Plain d- a dealer. They were looking at Cam Newton a little bit there, Rob. They said they weren't expected to sign him, but still, Cam Newton's name is out and about in the quarterback thing. I, I still just wish he would go on and be a tight end. I don't know why. I just I just wish that he would do that. Yeah, I just want to see what what would happen. But yeah. I mean, I would have preferred it probably over Josh Rosen, at least, but, <laughs> if we're being honest. But, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would doubt that they do since they did sign Rosen. I, would, I would think there's really no reason to keep bringing in these like mediocre, low-level quarterbacks, but who knows? Um, let's see the 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 former Ravens quarter, uh, quarterback Robert Griffin III, who I like on television. I think we you and I talked about that. Says that Lamar Jackson they're going to go back to the 2019 style of play this season. That that'll be special. I mean, I don't blame him for wanting to go back to the 2019 version of Lamar Jackson. That's the version I want on my Madden game. You know, that's that's the one I want. That's what I want. Yep, yep. And they, if they do get back to that, where they running running more often, um, so. For for fantasy purposes, I mean, obviously it's great for him. The more he can run, and the more they get get him in open space and and can run and throw throw you know off of that too, um, it does hurt, like kind of hurt the running backs a little bit because obviously the more he runs, that's the less that they're running. It's the less that they are getting check down passes and things like that. Um, and that's always been my worry for uh, Dobbins. Um, so. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can get back to their run heavy ways. I thought this was funny. The Boston Herald's Andrew Callahan shared on Thursday that Bill Belichick has not named an offensive coordinator heading into training camp. <laughs> I, I think that's hilarious. How, how do you not uh, name an offensive coordinator yet at this point? Joe Judge is, is possibly going to be the guy, but they still haven't uh, named, named one officially. That's just a, a Bill Belichick-y kind of thing to do. you know. Maybe he'll just let Mac Jones call the plays in the huddle. Maybe that he'll just try to revolutionize it all. Right? Maybe that's what it is. You, you never know. You never know with Belichick. He's always, he's always either – he's one of those guys where he's either – He's either considered crazy or genius, so we'll see what we'll see what this one is. James White is on the active pup list. Michael Thomas is on the active pup list. A couple of names that we've known from the past of things, especially that Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas still runs around at the I don't want to say at the top of draft boards, but every time I see his name up the in the draft room or something like that, I'm like, really, people, Michael Thomas? You're you're still gonna be playing with Michael Thomas? I know. The funny part about it is I. I've been I've been avoiding Michael Thomas in basically every draft because of all the news about how he's not playing he's not practicing yet and things like that and I'm like this has been so long how has this guy not recovered from this I mean this this injury is lingering so long this is the type of thing I always talk about when I when I preach like injury pessimism you know you hear oh the guy had a bad ankle he'll be he'll be good in a few weeks and then the next thing you know it's two years later <laughs> and it's like he's still not playing and it's just it's just so crazy so the and the bad part the funny part about it though is I there was one draft I was in in an underdog best ball draft that I 
he slipped like two, three rounds or something or whatever it was. And I finally <laughs> said, you know what? This is the spot I'll take him. I'll take him. I'll take him way behind ADP. So that way, if he does do something, you know, then at least I got a value on him. And then the next thing you know, I get this notification that he's going on the pup list. And I was like, no wonder he's he's <laughs> slipping even further than this now at this point. But yeah, he's a he's 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 a type of guy where I I like I said I I preach avoidance and and same thing with Chris Godwin in the same in similar rounds. I mean, the guy didn't have surgery. I don't think until like January or something like that. It's, it's like, a, he's not even going to be full year removed from his ACL surgery until after the year. It's just like, I don't know. I, take, these take guys Russell are going Gates later. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. It, it's just like, those guys are going and like, well, he, Godwin was like fifth round and like Michael Thomas was like sixth round at some points. And it's just, it's crazy to me. Uh, yes. And at some point you got to go, okay, Michael Thomas, it may not be the ankle. It may be something else that you're trying to do to the Saints. I, I don't know. I That's speculatory, of course. I just know he's been disgruntled with the Saints in the past, and mm-hmm. there's ink on the paper, and there's a bandage on his ankle still. So I, I'm going to go ahead and say that he's waiting to get out of New Orleans before he plays again. That's my personal opinion. Hey, Rob, let's go over to the ADPs again. Uh, okay. Let's do it for wide receivers, so, though, and let's do it for the month of July. Oh, is it July? Is that what we're in? We are in July. Let's let's do it for the month of July. Works works for me. Okay, Check and make out. sure you're following Rob Norton at Norton zero seven two three, who's putting out his rankings each and every day. Also, Baby Bowl news is breaking all the time. You can give him a hard time about getting those T-shirts, or you can give me a hard time mm-hmm. and say, Wes, why don't you help Rob? You just said volunteers. Listen. I don't know what to do, okay? I, I'm counting on Rob to tell me what to do, and I don't know what to do with that. But if you would like to help out, you can also DM Rob at Norton0723 over there on Twitter, and maybe we can try and pry a little bit of the, the baby bowl from his hands and let us babysit some of the baby bowl duties that need to be done. Uh, duties, that's probably not good. I don't want to change any diapers, Rob. Don't make me change diapers whenever we're talking about the baby bowl. You can follow me over on Twitter as well, at Lofinit, and don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. Make sure you like the show. Please review the show if you can on whatever listening platform you like to listen to the show on. Slap the stars around if that's something that you can do. But more important, share the show. That's important too. Share the show if you can. But Rob, let's get into these ADPs. I don't know how many ADP people, people watch ADPs. I've been watching ADPs. I've seen some people jump up. I've seen some people jump down. And I really question some of the people who are in the top 10 because I'm not sure that I want them in the top 10 if I'm drafting. I, you know, Whenever I look at them, I'm not sure if I want them. Number one, Cooper Cup, he is he is still number one, rightfully so. Justin Jefferson is second. Jameer Chase is third. Devontae Adams. And then Stefan Diggs is number five. Stefan Diggs is number five. Rob, out of those top five, who do you think is going to fall out? Who has the potential to fall out of that top five category? I'm not going to say it's a bust. I don't know that any of the top five are going to be busts, but maybe don't finish in the top five. So I guess, man, it's tough because, like, all five of these guys seem so surefire. Um, I guess the one, so uh, on my rankings, I have Adams fifth. So I guess by default, I I would say Adams uh, just because moving away from Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a hall of fame, one of the best to ever do it. And their, their connection was incredible. I do expect Derek Carr and his connection to be great considering they've had, you know, connection back to college and played together already before. So, um, and Devante is one of the, the best wide receivers in the league, but anytime you change situations and things like that, there's a lot more uncertainty. Every one of these other ones are 
elite wide receivers staying in the same same system, Pat, and all of them probably going to be in pass-heavy offenses. Um, so it's like the other four to me just have like kind of less change in scenario, less question marks. So I guess by default, Adams. I you know I I can agree with you on the Devonta. He has the he has the biggest question marks coming into this top five anyway of the mm-hmm. situations that has changed. That's the way I look at it. Now yep. I will say somebody who. I look at who, who, which one of these five can knock off Cooper Cup. That's that's going to be my next question to you. Which one of these five, maybe you see somebody in the top ten that can knock off Cooper Cup instead, but I'm just going to keep it to the top five. And I really see J- Jamar Chase having an opportunity to do that this year if the Bengals continue to throw the ball like they did the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. And I say that because he was one of the he was one of the ones with the least amount of receptions out of a lot of these guys. You know, he, he didn't even have a lot of targets, I don't think, as, as many of these guys. But I know the receptions weren't there. He had tons of yards after catch. T- you know, that's what he just excelled in last season. And if that ever could come down to a little bit more of a possession receiver. Remember, am I, am I thinking right when I say that Chase had taken a year off of school? He didn't play yeah. during the COVID mm-hmm. season, and then he stepped into the Bengals, so. the NFL, the game speed. You talk about all those things at the beginning of the year. So the talent was there because we kept seeing the yards after the catch just just be super high for him. And and I just I, I think that if he could put a full season in the NFL together with a full off season program, we could really look at him being the guy who really steps up. And we know the chemistry is already there. T. Higgins is a problem in, all, in that equation because T. Higgins is really good. But let's just face it, Chase was, Chase was the guy last year. And then whenever I saw him in the playoffs, they started using him more like in a Debo role, too, where they got the, his ball, the ball in his hands in many different ways. Yeah, definitely. So I do think Chase has the ability to do so. I think he's a truly elite wide receiver. Um, you know, I think he's one of you know, as long as he stays healthy over the course of his career, we could look be looking back at one of the best receivers ever. Um, but the same goes for Justin Jefferson for me too. Mm-hmm. And so I have, I, I actually do have Justin Jefferson as my number one receiver on my board. Um, it's the same, same tier as Cooper cup. They're both same tier. Um, I do think that the fact that Jefferson's done it two years in a row. Um, yeah. And he's with truly like historic, historically elite production um helps he also has less target competition i think than than chase because i mean chase does have higgins and uh, yeah he has Thielen, but Thielen, you know is starting to age a little bit he's still good it's not like he's a bad receiver but he's starting to age a little bit and you know if jefferson to me if jefferson can increase his target share once again if the if the rumors about their about the Vikings becoming more pass heavy with Kevin O'Connell at the at as offensive coordinator come true. So if the total pass volume goes up, Jefferson increases his target share even a little bit, plus makes more of a, a dent in the red zone if if uh Thielen kinda takes a step down a little bit there. We could be looking at, you know, a monster season from from Jefferson as well. But I think either of those guys can do it. I also think Diggs has the possibility of finishing number one. We saw him what not, I mean, not last year, but the year before, right. I think he finished as number one. And last year he kind of had like similar underlying metrics and everything. It was just, um, different touchdown luck and, and different little things that just didn't go his way. So I have, I actually have digs above Adams myself. Um, 
So I, I think any of those guys can really finish ahead of them, but Justin Jefferson is the one for me that I have above Cup. Yeah, you're probably right, and, and Chase is probably the guy in my head when I say that. I I probably should have said he had the most upside, you know, he because he he didn't get as many targets as everybody else. He had 128 targets. The other group of people that we're talking about there in the top five. There's uh, Cooper Cup, 191. We're just going to throw that out the window. That doesn't happen. That does not happen. 160 mm-hmm. targets, 170 targets is where these elite wide receivers usually finish in that kind of neighborhood. And Chase only had 128. He had only 81 receptions where everybody mm-hmm. else had like that 110, 120 kind of range somewhere in there, except for Cooper Cup, who had 145. We're throwing that out the window, too. You're not going to, Cooper, you're not going to be able to do that two years in a row. You can't do that two years in a row. But buddy, if I got an opportunity, I'm drafting you first out of all this group. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, Justin Jefferson. I I got you, Rob. But man, it's, you, still, it's, you can't you can't pass up that production. And let me say this: you said Stephon Diggs. One of the main reasons why I think he didn't have that same kind of production that he did the year before that was he had a 63 percent catch percentage last season, mm-hmm. which kind of hindered him a little bit. I look at another name in that same little area. DJ Moore had a 57% catch percentage. And we always talk about DJ Moore being a target hog, just doesn't get a lot of the other stuff that goes along with it. And I think Stefan Diggs fell in that trap last year. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And not only that, but Josh Allen took a little bit of a step back as a passer. It wasn't, he wasn't bad by any means, but like if you look at his numbers last year versus year four, just passing, um, it's a little bit of a step down. And so I think it all, you know, kind of coincided for Diggs to be like a little bit of a disappointment. He's still a top 10 guy, I believe. So it's not like he was bad or anything, but, but yeah, the thing with, with um, cup and Jefferson, like I said, I have them same tier. So in the underdog drafts that I've done, I've, 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 I've taken cup above Jefferson um, because Jefferson usually slips a little bit further in drafts anyway. So I kind of, since they're in the same tier, um, if I'm doing a bunch of drafts, I, I, you know, we'll take Jefferson a little bit later and knowing that I can get him a little bit later when I get like a mid mid round or mid first round pick um, cup. You usually got to take three, four, somewhere in that range, five, maybe. Um, but yeah, so I have him. I have him really close. Um, I just really love Jefferson. So it's it's neck and neck. Yeah, but we got to get through the top. Well, we're going through the top hundred wide receiver ADPs. No, we're, not, we're never going to. Uh, but but I want to I want to reveal Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup. The things I've heard out of Minnesota is that they really want to tar- pepper him with as many targets as Cooper Cup got last year. You know, I mean, I hear these kind of little rumors coming out of Minnesota that they're looking at this guy as being a Cooper Cup. They want him to be Cooper Cup. They want him to get the same workload as Cooper Cup had last year. I think they saw, you know, how how great Cooper Cup was, and they think that they have that same kind of weapon in Justin Jefferson. And I was just thinking back to the Sammy Sosa. Mark McGuire era, you know, and every they they were just trying to outdo each other. It seemed like every single night, wouldn't it be special if Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson were going at the wide, you know, best wide receiver title just like that? That would be so much fun to be able to watch. I don't I don't know why I'm talking like that. Maybe it's the fudge talking, Rob. Uh, let's <laughs> let's go the next next five: C.D. Lamb, Debo Samuel, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, and Keenan Allen. If Devontae Adams, if he falls out of that top five. Which one of these guys are going to replace him? So for me, it's it's Lamb. Um, I think you know I loved Lamb coming out of college, and I think he's a elite special talent, and he's shown plenty of flashes. He's been really good the past couple of years, and now Amari Cooper's out of town. So 
he's 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 the guy now. And um, Michael Gallup's hurt and going to be out for a while. Um, they brought in James Washington. They drafted, I think it was like Jalen Tolbert. So, and Dalton Schultz is going to be a factor as well. But I mean, he's he's the guy. He's the go-to guy now at this point. So we're going to see what he does when he's the alpha. And I think he's a good enough talent to to be that. So I like him. I like Evans. I do like Evans a lot too because how we talked about before with uh, Godwin. I think Godwin's injury is going to last longer than people expect. I think he's going to be out at least the first four weeks probably. And even if he, even if he comes back early or even if he comes back on time, is he going to be a hundred percent when he's back? I mean, he has all these question marks and, you know, Gronk's out of town. So it could be the Mike Evans show at least early on. And uh, he could, you know, be fed early and often by Brady. No, you're exactly right. There's a lot of target opportunities that opened up in Dallas with Cooper cup being gone. That's 104 targets. That were there last year. Uh, kind of funny though. Whenever you look at the target share in Dallas, Dalton Schultz had 104. Amari Cooper had 104. Do you know how many that uh, C.D. Lamb had? I want to say 104, but <laughs> I, I have no idea. I can't find it anywhere on here. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at it. I thought I had it right at there, my ready, and I was trying to buy me a little bit of time. And I'm still looking. I'm still scrolling. Where, where, how many? How many is it, Rob? Do you think it is 104? It's got to be. No, it's a 120. Do you think it's 120? Oh, you already saw it. Oh, there it I is. 120. It. Okay, yeah. so 120. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, cool. Whoo! I got lost in my Debo Samuel. They, the both of those names <laughs> look, look very similar. There's a D E E and a D E E right there. So 120. So he had the target share that it is. And and I do like how you said it though. Amari Cooper being gone 104. Who who else is the familiar face? You know. This right. is, we could be looking at C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schultz getting tons of targets, and Dalton mm-hmm. Schultz, of course, is going to be that free agent. And uh, at the end of next season, they're going to probably slap that franchise tag on him. I don't know if that how all that works out in in Dallas this season, but I usually look for a big season from somebody who's going to be a free agent, and it kind of seems like the players look for that too. You know, like like in, inside the locker room, it, it, Dak Prescott's going to be trying to get. Um, Dalton Schultz paid. You know what I mean? Like he's just going to try to do that for his tight end. I, I, I just see that happening uh, year after year. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I do like Schultz actually a lot. Uh, I think I have him tied in six in the ranks. So it's, I, I definitely like him. Um, but yeah, I do think, you know, we saw a, we saw, I think it was 114, then 120 targets. And that was with Amari Cooper. Um, you know, those targets got to go somewhere that Amari Cooper had the 100 targets. Now, obviously, they're going to get spread out among people, but I do think Lamb has the talent that he's going to be designed more uh, first read options. You know, I think he's going to be the first read in a lot of the plays that they designed this year. So, you know, if he's getting open and he's he's making things happen, they're going to they I could see them going to him early and often in a lot of games. You know what else? Cedric Wilson's gone. And mm-hmm. I, I, he kind of became one of those guys that it didn't surprise me whenever he did something week after week in that offense. I just, uh, you know, I don't know that Washington's going to be able to pick up the slack. Gallup's going to be out for a while. I just don't know where the ball's going to go. I think CeeDee Lamb really has a opportunity to make a huge impact at the beginning part of this year. This year, Unless, of course, we do see Tony Pollard lining up in the slot and run some routes. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> very curious. Very curious as to what's going to happen there. Yeah, definitely. I yeah, I think you nailed it. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, let's look at the next ones here, Rob. Uh, let's look at the top fifteen now. The ten through fifteen. Uh, I guess eleven through fifteen. Higgins, Pittman, Brown, Waddle, 
Deontay Johnson, all right, oh, those five guys, those five guys, we're running into bust territory now. Are any of these guys, do you see any of these guys being a bust? And I'm going to let you think about that for a minute. I'm going to tell you what I just saw uh, a couple of days ago. This, this really sounds, this, this sounds bad. I was watching Buffalo Bill preseason games from last season, just a couple of days ago. Okay, you could say I don't do a lot of research. <laughs> but I, I was watching Buffalo Bill preseason games last year, at least highlights, because I wanted to see what Mitch Trubisky looked like. Because in my old brain, I remember his Chicago Bear days. And then I remember seeing him in the preseason last year, and I wanted to verify this with my brain, you know, with my eyes, that he looked kind of sharp in the preseason. And then I went, Wes, it was preseason. You're probably wrong. You're preseason. And then I went back and I looked at it, and it was against the Bears, and so I think the Buffalo Bills were trying to run up the score for Mitch Trubisky during the Bears game. And I watched a couple of other ones, though, just to, just to see if it was that, that. He looks pretty sharp. He, he looked pretty good passing the ball. I, I was sitting there watching it, and I was looking at the reads. that he Where, where should he go with this ball? Where should he go with, with this play and everything? And he was making good decisions. He was throwing the ball well because I was in a conundrum of, do I need to draft more Deontay Johnson than what I am? Because I, I have a feeling I should stay away from him. But after I saw Mitch throwing the football around, I said, you know, is there, even when Ben Roethlisberger wasn't playing, it was a Mason Rudolph or somebody like that, the target share was still there. Am I crazy in thinking that Deontay Johnson has a good shot at being the boom player of this group instead of the bust? I don't think it's crazy. I, I like Deontay a ton last year. I like him. I like him again this year. I thought I'd have him a little bit higher than what I do. Um, my biggest concern isn't with like the ability to, of Trubisky and say they do turn over to Pickett at some point. It isn't my, it isn't my concern. Isn't the ability of them to support, you know, a higher end receiver. Cause I think Ben last year was not very good at all. Um, but, my concern is that Ben threw so many passes that the volume was there. I do think their volume of passes comes down this year. Um, I don't think they're going to be throwing 600 and whatever times <laughs> yeah. that he, he, he threw. <laughs> so I would see, see more in the range of like 550 pass attempts, 570. Um, so just so that, that total target, total, you know, pass attempt volume comes down, then, you know, it's got to come down for probably everyone. And, um, so I still, I have him like right in line with consensus. I I've taken him a couple times. I do like him. Um, I think he's like a really, really great talent. I think he's a great route runner. Um, I don't think he gets his, his, his due as like a really, really good receiver. Um, so yeah, I have no problem taking him uh, around where he's going. Uh, how many receptions you got for Deontay? About 140? I think maybe even more, you know? A little bit more. He no. 169 <laughs> targets last year. So if it goes down a little bit, uh, I say 140, and, and and that's what I meant in targets. I don't know if I said receptions, but I meant targets. Oh, yeah, I thought you were. I, I was joking. I was joking around for sure. If, <laughs> if, uh, yeah. but, but you but know, no, I have him. Go ahead. I have him for like 94 receptions around, and like a little over a thousand yards. Okay. Six, seven touchdowns. His yards per target were 6.9, about seven yards per target. We could see that going up a little bit, maybe into yeah. the eight range, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood. And yard per reception was right at 11. 
And I, I could see that being 11 and a half, not, not going up too much further because it'd be yards after catch. And I think whenever you catch the ball with Mitch Trubisky throwing it to you, you will just fall down afterwards. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's what you got to do. All right. So uh, what about you? Who do you think might be the biggest bust, though, in this area? Somebody who will just really disappoint you out of this 10 through 15 range. So my lowest ranked guy of this group is Waddle. Um, and it's not even that I don't like his talent. That's the thing that I'm like, tor- I'm, I'm torn about because I think I, I think he could be a guy that bites me that I have him m- much lower. Like he's 14 in ADP. I think I have him 19. Um, it's just the fact that he got a lot of volume last year. And my concern is that now with Tyreek in town, that Tyreek is going to take so much volume away. I mean, you don't bring trade for a guy and bring him in like that. If you're not going to use him. Right. I can't see Waddle getting anywhere near the same like target share that he did. Now, does it help that maybe Tyreek opens it up, opens up the field more for him? Could he be, could he be used in a different role? I mean, he Waddle was used really like as a high, high volume, low A dot receiver last year, and he could, you know, we could see him change that role. Um, there's just a lot of uncertainty, and a lot of times I, when it comes down to that, especially if there's another like big time receiver that comes in, I, I kind of am a little bit more cautious on those kind of guys. So I think Waddle is the guy for me that could be the yeah, the guy that disappoints out of this group. Okay. All right. I, I can agree with you on that one. I think Pittman's the number one guy there without a lot of competition. Higgins is the number two guy. That's kind of my question with the Cincinnati Bengals, though, is can that offense, who we did see at lower volume, I don't know if they're going to return to the second half Cincinnati Bengals and throw it all over the field, or if they're not going to do that and play a little bit more of a conservative role, I don't, I don't know. Do you think that Joe Burrow, though, can support two wide receivers being in the top 10-ish range? I do. I do. Um, and it's funny because I actually have Burrow a little bit lower than consensus, but I have I have Higgins slightly above. Um, and it's kind of just I think that those two are just so dominant from like a, a standpoint of they both draw like a elite target share together. I think they were like both around like 25% or somewhere in that range last year. So, I mean, half of the passes basically are going to one of those two. Um, and both of them are so such good talents too. So I think both of them can, can be supported even if, even if Burrow doesn't end up being truly elite. I think just if they have a higher volume than they did last year, um, and a lot of that volume goes to those two guys, then I think both of them, both of them can be top 10 and, and we'll find out if, you know, the big plays stick for, for chase, then, you know, he's going to be truly, you know, crazy elite again. If it, if those big plays, you know, kind of come down a little bit, he might get a, how you were talking about before getting a little bit more volume and maybe a little less touchdowns, a little less yardage for, you know, those big plays. And maybe Higgins cleans up a little bit more touchdowns and things like that. So they kind of, uh, offset a little bit, and both of them are great for fantasy. In my head, and it's, this is my fault, not anybody else's. You know, I I kind of had Higgins at the at the beginning of last year. I had Higgins and Boyd kind of in the same area in my mm-hmm. brain, in my draft brain. I was like, ah, oh, don't get Higgins, just wait on Boyd. That that's a thing of the past in my brain now. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's something you don't. Boyd is the third wheel and all that, unless of course, Rob, you think that maybe Hayden Hurst does not take. Uh, a good a good position there in the tight end room where CJ Uzama maybe was getting five, six, seven targets a game or however many he was getting. I don't know if Hayden Hurst is going to be able to get in there or not to do that. Do you think maybe they go for more of a 
three wide receiver set and kind of take the tight end out of the game? I do think they're going to run a lot of three three wide receiver sets. I do think they'll probably still run a tight end. I mean, I, th- I think they're going to do a lot of like three wide receiver, one tight end, one running back, uh, plus, you know, the five lineman QB kind of sets. That's that's where I see them running most of their offense um, just because it, it makes the most sense from a personnel standpoint. Um, Hayden Hurst, I don't, I, I mean, I think he's a fine, like late round dart throw. I'm not expecting any kind of like big production out of him. And, and Tyler Boyd, I was always a guy I've been higher than consensus on over, over the years. And I was kind of the same way as you. I was like, you know, I liked Higgins a little bit, but I just thought he was going rounds ahead of Boyd and Boyd's shown he's been good. I mean, why, why would you take Higgins? So, um, but yeah, I, I still like Boyd decently. Um, but I think I think he is kind of like the clear third wheel, like you mentioned. Yeah, and and when I say three wide receiver sets, I just meant like uh, concentrating more on the three wide receivers and forgetting about mm, the tight okay, end yeah. whenever all four of them out there on the field together. And that's 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 because it seemed like you know Tyler Boyd was still effective during the during the games a little bit, especially towards the second half of the season. But that's when they were throwing the ball all over. Look at this one: Rob sixteen, DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Terry McLaurin, Marquise Brown, and DK Metcalf. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! Oh, look at this. Isn't this that? Isn't that? This is this is that list now, right here, 16 through 20 this year. DJ Moore used to be up there towards you know the higher parts of the draft board anyway. Marquise Brown was way up there. DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf is down here at number 20. I guess it hurts whenever you don't have a quarterback right now. Yeah, that that uh that affects him a lot. So like, DJ Moore is is my guy. I okay. I've loved I've loved DJ Moore for so long. I mean, I think there was a, I think it was. Maybe oh, he'd come and put something out about DJ Moore. Um, that if you look at his productions and over the past like four years or whatever, there's only there's only been like four receivers in the NFL that have out outproduced him pretty much, and he's done it with worse worse QB play than than most. And his age adjusted like numbers are, I mean, almost historic levels. And it's it's I I love DJ Moore. I have him I have him as my wide receiver eleven. Um, oh boy. I'm I'm tempted to I mean I I I have to like resist my stop myself from moving him up at different times so I I love DJ Moore um I I'm you know as a Browns fan I wasn't like the biggest Baker believer but just if you look at the metrics yeah. Baker has been an average to slightly above average QB um when when healthy and his touchdown percentages have been above average and Darnold has been one of the worst. So you just you just kind of put those numbers out. And the thing is, DJ Moore, his biggest problem has been touchdowns over the past uh, few years. I think he scored like four, almost maybe every season, but somewhere in that range, three, four. But we know touchdown production is kind of one of the most fluky things. Um, I do think he gets above that mark. I mean, if I had to take the over or under on four. So I I, I really love DJ Moore a lot this year. I see a Carolina Panther uniform or jersey in your future, Rob. I just see it. I just, I can tell. I don't blame you there a little bit. A great show, great podcast here tonight, giving us all that information about the Baby Bowl uh, and updates and everything like that. And and I really do appreciate all the work that you're doing for the Baby Bowl, Uh, Rob. I know I bust your chops a little bit about the Baby Bowl and T-shirts and stuff like that. But listen, uh, you do a fantastic job with it, and I'm proud to be a part of it. So thank you so much for all the work you do with that Baby Bowl. 
Oh, no problem. And I, uh, I appreciate, you know, all the help and, and, and yeah, I, I mean, even though you bust my chops, it's for, for, a for a good purpose. And, <laughs> and I, I need it. I need it. Cause it, I, I get so, you know, worked up in like all the different stuff I'm doing, whether it's articles or rankings or the disc, creating the discord, trying to, trying to do different things to make, make it more fun for people that I kind of get lost in what I'm doing sometimes. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you. Okay, well, thank you very much. And we're not going to get all sappy and weepy here unless, of course, we're talking about DJ Moore on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. Uh, and Rob Norton loves DJ Moore this season. You can follow him over on Twitter at Norton0723. He's dropping those rankings all the time. Neat little graphics that you're doing, Rob. I appreciate all the colors. It looks very bright. It makes my eyes very happy. Makes me very happy whenever I see those. So good job on those things. Keep putting those things out. And, of course, uh, you, you're going to be dropping your articles real soon, too, for Last Word on Sports. And I, I look forward to reading those each and every week as well. So you do a great job with all those things. I don't do anything but talk on uh, behind the microphone <laughs> every so often here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. But you can find me over on Twitter as well, at Loafinit. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. And, and let me encourage you again to make sure you leave a review. Make sure you slap those stars around. Share the show whenever you have an opportunity to do so. So, but more importantly than all those things, Fit Fam, we always want to encourage you to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. <laughs>